politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for our liberty. This is Daniel Horowitz back in the house for Thursday, January 28th, and it is a glorious day today. It is a day of clarity where everyone is finally seeing what this audience understood forever, that we have a rigged two-tier justice system that percolates down to the culture, to the markets, to the economy, the judges, the policy. They're all in it together. We have a fake market created by unconstitutional governance. And then once they have the fake market, they turn around and say, hey, these are the rules. What are you going to do about it? And then despite everything, we work so hard to create our own businesses in the economy. Or at a political level, we try to win elections and then fight back. But then they take it away from us. Nope. The courts say you can't do it. Nope. COVID allows us to vote the way we want. COVID shuts down your business so that everyone has to get their packages from Amazon and they make a killing. As I've warned before, we don't have socialism in America and we never will. We have venture socialism. And in many ways, that's even worse. Where you basically have a government that rather than following a set of rules that are fixed, a.k.a. the Constitution and when appropriate statute, it's whatever the media says is virtuous at a given moment, which is controlled by the corporatist interests, that control government, and they funnel things through them. We talked about this in the healthcare system for years, how we never had a a free market system. It was always venture socialist, and the left would use it to complain and make it even more socialist when the reason why people couldn't afford anything is because it looked like a Venezuelan supermarket instead of an American supermarket. But this is really true of almost every market. Now, obviously, we're seeing it with the... Game Shop stuff, GameStop, I mean, and other companies. Now, Reddit is shutting down the forum where people communicated. Because evidently, that's terrorism, too. You could only sell the stock, but you can't buy it. But only when it harms our people. Just like, you know what? You have to wear a mask. While you go out and work all day while I sit at home and Zoom and make a lot of money because government enabled it with unconstitutional takings of life, liberty, and property. So we're going to have a special guest today and go a little bit off this topic of today's news, but it really ties in. And we're going to take a deep dive with our special guest on masks and the harm of them and how to fight back against them. But it's rooted in the same principle. It's all rooted in the same principle. What do I mean by that? See, what, what, are, we, what are we saying about masks? Masks, as we're going to talk about with our guest, our, our, our guest we're told they're the single most effective thing to stop God's pandemic. I mean, it is, it is so amazing and vital that anyone caught for a second in any scenario not wearing it, they should die. Okay, that, that's basically what we're told. But then again, at the same time, they're so effective that, well, as long as one person anywhere is not wearing even a cloth mask, my N95 won't work at all. It's so effective, you must do it to save me because I'm wearing the very effective thing that's not effective if one person in the whole universe is not wearing it. That's emblematic of the rigged system of the leftists. Notice how cowardly and pathetically feeble these people are. They control 99.9999% of media, culture, commerce, academia, healthcare, law, foundations, and donors. There's nothing they don't control. A lot of you are sending me your stories following my theme that even in the reddest of red states and counties, any job you have, any school you're in, 
even private school, certainly public school, even in a deep red county, the teachers, the students, they're all communists forcing their Antifa stuff. You know, I have an email from someone in Pennsylvania where a student was promoting Antifa and the teacher got in trouble. Yet, somehow they can't be effective in what they promote so long as there is 0.0001% of power or information flow from we the people. That's why they must censor that and stamp out that last vestige of dissent. I guess you could say their mantra is our censoring of you protects me. <laughs> Just like you wearing a mask protects me, even if I'm wearing a, wearing a mask. It, I'm not protected unless you are. Well, I could have 99.999% of control, but I can't be effective if there's any voice of dissent. So there's a lot going on. Obviously, the Florida man arrested for a Twitter meme, literally First Amendment, in 2016 from five years ago while we now find out of course as always the left has done similar similar twitter memes they'll never be arrested free speech for thee but not for me their violence is speech our speech is violence dhs puts out a bulletin and the entirety of it the entire homeland security threat is all people disseminating information about covid and the election being stolen Yesterday's show was really good timing in the fact that we talked about the opportunity and the need to decouple. Decouple politically, decouple um, economically, socially. Start your own schools, your own hospitals, your own healthcare, your own law, and work in the most advantageous states and counties where we could get this going and get an equal playing field. That's all we ask. We don't ask for, you know... um, tendentious treatment just that we're on par with the bar association for example in law now i can give a whole lecture on how they have held us down and then once they have these corporations just soaring above us oh well it's the free market now no 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 no. it doesn't work that way doesn't work that way. That's venture socialism. But folks, decoupling starts by supporting our own sponsors. First sponsor today is obviously constitutioncoach.com. I'm really looking forward to meeting about 50 of you on the February 7th class. There's a three-day and a five-day class. Um, some of you signed up for different ones, and that's terrific. Um, we're going to strategize and create Minutemen in all, in, in in at least the 31 states where we control or Republicans control the state legislature, there's a lot of more good news with that. But there's a lot more we can do. There really is a lot we can do with this "We the People" uprising, and we're going to talk about that when we're out there shooting together, enjoying a good time. So go to constitutioncoach.com. If you weren't able to make it, the February 11th class is still still has room. The three day and the five day. Um, you just might not see me there. Uh, likewise, we have dates on March 21st, March 25th, May 30th, and June 6th. So again, go to constitutioncoach.com, 90% off on your best defensive handgun training you'll ever find, plus constitution training. We're going to have a, a really good blast there. We're going we're gonna to have a great time. Now, also, when it comes to decoupling, we have to decouple from AT&T and Comcast and get our own providers. Well, we have one such provider, Patriot Mobile. They just expanded their coverage dramatically, which will make it easier for more Americans to dump those big-name carriers that charge way too much and donate their money to the oligarchy. I'm proud to partner with Patriot Mobile because they never sent a penny to the left. They're America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Um, You could switch any way you want. I mean, whether it's uh, keeping your phone number or bringing your own phone or buying a new phone, 
Uh, you could build your own bundle, multi-line discounts, um, I believe up to five lines. Just go to patriotmobile.com forward slash CR or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Veterans and first responders will get a greater discount. Again, this month, get free Premier Activation, where they set up the phone for you and a special gift with offer code CR. Again, patriotmobile.com forward slash CR, patriotmobile.com forward slash CR, 972-PATRIOT on the phone. Now, folks, if I am here, you know I haven't been arrested by the FBI yet, but it, it is getting bad. It is getting really bad. Notice the tit for tat. The, the so-called private sector, which are stewards for the government, they, they're the lead ship in the armada. They come out first and start with the censorship, which is not a violation of First Amendment because you know they're not throwing you in jail, but it's, it's, it violates antitrust laws. And then that is the harbinger for the government to come in and downright criminalize it. And obviously, it's hard to start something new against incumbent powers. But unlike the Bernie bros that just want free money and to be bailed out, we don't ask for anything free. We just want to be left alone. So we're willing to work to create our own social platforms, our own e-commerce. The problem is, government will collude with the incumbent powers and they won't let you do it. Just like you could sell, but you can't buy on Robinhood and Ameritrade. That is emblematic of everything we're up against. You could attend George Floyd's funeral, but you can't attend your grandma's. Oh, states are able to do what they want when it comes to violating immigration law, but you can't enforce it. States could do what they want when it comes to creating voter fraud and nullifying election integrity laws. But if they try to pass integrity laws to the point of ensuring that only citizens can vote the core of the franchise, then the federal courts get to come in and nullify that. You could loot, burn, steal, and rob and beat if you're the right color, the right group, the right cause. But if you're not, the FBI is going to hunt you down for merely assembly or speech, even if you didn't commit a crime. Because your existence is a crime. And speaking of criminalizing our existence, there is no way that we see this more evidently than with the COVID fascism and particularly that lead ship in that armada is the mask mandate. And I think we've become so desensitized to it. It drives me nuts. Even those of us that know it doesn't work, we've seen 10 months of data, clearly it doesn't work, it's self-evident. We know it's absurd, we know it's hypocritical, all the funny ways that they make you do this, but not this, but it works like this, but not like that, all conveniently working out for the elites, just like with the fact that GameStop could only be sold, but it can't be bided. Well, my mask, uh, it, it, it doesn't protect me. I could have the greatest mask in the world, but as long as you have a flimsy cloth one, then you're fine and I'm fine. Um, but if you don't have it, then even my you know medical grade one doesn't work because that is the only way it works out to basically control everyone. This is the most demonic and satanic thing around. This is the first time in the history of human beings that we put a mandate. You know, we have a nanny state government controls every aspect of our lives. But now we've taken it to a point where basically you are only allowed to breathe through a cloth. And that's how I want you guys to present it. Don't call it the mask mandate. Call it the requirement that you can only breathe through a cloth. Think about the severity of what I'm saying. Think about the intensification of this cult every week with no end in sight, and they're actually being open about it that there's no end in sight. That you can never enjoy life with your kids and go anywhere without it. You can never travel on an airplane or anywhere, really, without it. You cannot go to a store or anywhere without it. But more importantly, a lot of those things are either one-time things, they're short-term, once in a while, for a short duration. What about your job? You're a school teacher. You work in a business. 
seven, eight, nine hours, 10 hours, whatever it is, you have to have that thing on always. Anyone, I don't care about your disability. I don't care about what it does to you. No questions about the pain, even though there is no gain. And that is incontrovertibly clear. Whatever happened to OSHA? Whatever happened to ADA? Whatever happened to Blackstone's definition at its core of individual liberty to walk unrestrained from from another force, that you get to walk in locomotion without being restrained? How come we don't have anyone really speaking for us? There is some good news. Wisconsin looks like they're getting rid of it. North Dakota governor finally, you know, uh, re, uh, I was going to say reneged. He reneged uh, by by instituting it. He went back to freedom by getting rid of it, repealing it. But the damage is done already. That's just the first step. But even in those few states that we don't have a mask mandate, they have all the localities that have it. And then, just like we talked about with this fake free market where it's a government-manipulated commerce, and then they have an unleveled playing field that they then try to treat as level... Government distorted the market in a way that businesses and everyone feels they must adhere to it, even if you don't officially have it now, because they're scared they could get blamed, but there's never any liability going the other way. Well, how do we even up that score and give them a liability for going the other way and actually go back to the free market, which is like, you know, you do the most natural thing that makes sense. With us today is a very special guest, Tammy Clark. She is the current executive director of Stand Up Michigan, which is really, in my mind, probably the best state-based grassroots group um, fighting back against COVID tyranny. Uh, They have over 400,000 followers. They really are making a lot of progress. I wish we had one of these groups everywhere. Now, there's a lot to talk about the broad effort, but the reason why I'm bringing her on in particular is that she's a rare gem. Not only is she an uh, a pro-freedom activist, she's also a trained OSHA environmental health and safety professional. She's over 15 years of experience in the field of occupational safety and health. She's a court-approved subject matter expert in the field of OSHA health and safety with regards to PPE, respirators, testing re- requirements, and she's actually worked as a legal expert witness in several court cases related to this. And she has her own firm helping with OSHA compliance. So we're going to answer today, whatever happened to OSHA requirements for best practices for safety and health in the workplace? Tammy, take it away. It is an honor to have you on the show today. Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be with you today. So I, you know, when you reached out and asked if I would be willing um, to do an interview with you, I thought, well, absolutely, because the more information and the more education that people are afforded, the better. Um, The only thing that people have been hearing for the last, well, what, nine months, 10 months now, um, has been a completely false narrative that actually flies in the face of OSHA. Everything that OSHA has ever trained me on, everything that industrial hygienists, environmental health and safety professionals, occupational health and safety professionals have ever learned about respiratory protection, pathogen protection, is completely the opposite of what we are being told today by the very same agencies that trained us originally. And this is why I stood up and I got involved as an activist in the first place. And I think you probably do realize this, but there are very few people like you and most people who have your type of background will, will just shirk in the corner and go along with it. But I guess let, let, let's just start off with um, with where we are now and then work backwards to the more generic. Let's go very specific. So what I've noticed in general, what's interesting, what the lockdown fascists do is that they, they institute a certain policy based on a premise that they just pound away at in social media and lie about. It's illogical. It's immoral. It flies in the face of everything that has been said in science for years and every governmental policy for years. And then when we work hard enough for several months to debunk it and it becomes clear they look like fools, they seamlessly glide into the new position without ever realizing or admitting that it's a self-indictment of their previous position. And one of the ways they did that is with the masking. So 
it became self-evident that it didn't work anywhere where they like are implementing it with just sadistic cruelty, um, 100% compliance, no exceptions, yet it didn't work. So now they're talking about this double masking. Could you explain where it's coming from, where they're headed, and then just the stupidity of the science behind that? <laughs> yeah. So this has just come out, and oh my gosh, the last couple of days, uh, my mind is just, as you can imagine, everything that I know scientifically and medically, um, to see Dr. Fauci now stand up there and start telling everybody it's probably a good idea to wear two masks, or maybe three. I mean, why don't we just put a pillow over our faces and get it over with? I mean, it, this is just insanity. And this is coming from a guy who originally, if you think back to last April, was out there very publicly saying that healthy individuals do not need to wear face masks. There is no reason for that. He actually went on to say, I mean, this is the same guy who's now saying we need to wear two and three masks. He was saying at the time that masks do nothing for you. Sure, he said. I mean, he actually said they might catch a droplet, but they are not offering any protection against viruses. Now, fast forward nine months, obviously they didn't work, right? Now, fast forward nine months, now he wants you to wear two or three. I mean, the insanity behind this and, and the irresponsibility uh, and the dangerous statements from somebody who is supposed to be leading the charge for, for treating this COVID-19 and, and getting on top of this, and he is intentionally and knowingly steering us in the wrong direction. He is implicating very irresponsible and dangerous mandates that are causing much greater harm. We know that there have been a lot of health issues created and caused by this. Now we're going to up the ante and we're going to double and triple it. We're going to really go ahead and smother you. I mean, this is insanity from a scientific and a medical perspective. We know this. We know these masks do not work. I could go on and on about the studies going back to 2009, 2008, 2009, even the latest ones that have come out. And I'm talking about randomized controlled tests with metadata analysis. These are not opposition research pieces or opinion pieces that the left and the Democrats are relying on. Every single time somebody has brought me something and challenged me, I've asked them if I could see their study. Can I see your information? Can I see your test? Every single time, without fail, what they provide me with is an opinion piece. It is not science. There is no science out there or data that supports mask wearing to protect from viruses. In fact, we have nothing but the opposite. We have test after test after test that not only say surgical masks, face masks, do not protect against infectious disease, respiratory infectious disease spread through virons, but they in fact create a greater hazard because people are improperly trained. They're not wearing them correctly. They're wearing them too long. They're not wearing them in carefully controlled environments. They're not implementing work rest cycles, all of this. And this is where OSHA standards come in. And so as an OSHA trained professional, I'm just pulling my hair out. And you know, to be honest with you, you mentioned that I'm, I'm kind of one of the few who's, who's speaking out, but there are an awful lot of people like me in our professions and in my career field of industrial hygiene, environmental health and safety, occupational health and safety who are trained. And they are saying they are speaking up, but a lot of them, you have to understand, they can't. They'll lose their jobs. There's even a director of OSHA who wrote a thesis paper when he was in grad school on the efficacy and the efficiency rates of masks cloth masks, surgical masks versus N95 masks. Um, and I have a colleague, her name is Kristen Megan. She's my military counterpart. I've worked in the, in the private industry. She's worked in the military, but we've done the same jobs. And her and I were on the Dell Big Tree show. I don't know if you saw the High Wire episode where we exposed, we totally blew the whistle on OSHA. And we brought out the thesis paper that this particular current OSHA director wrote several years back showing that surgical masks, even N95 masks, do nothing to stop the spread of respiratory infectious diseases by virons because the particulate size of the viron is so small, it will penetrate right across the membrane of even a tightly sealed N95. And so when you have all the tests and you have all the data and the science, decades worth of it, and you watch the government sweeping it all under the rug as if it never existed, it is maddening and it's dangerous. And that's why Kristen and I both own our own businesses. And this is why we can stand up and speak out against us because nobody can fire me. Nobody can shut me down. Oh, sure. OSHA's coming after us, but <laughs> we, we expected that. Oh yeah. 
but 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 you have earned your living off of basically guiding companies on OSHA compliance and I think we've all seen that when it comes to let's say you have a business a company a store anything I mean it could be private it could be government it could be your government worker you're a private worker you're a school teacher and you know we have ADA for children we have IDEA um you know in the schools and and especially special needs children they have to be placed in the least restrictive environment and you know, it's a cottage industry. I mean, we go overboard in my view often, like it's, it's stop. It's, you know, too much. Like if you look at someone wrong, you violate the ADA, you have to take affirmative steps to, you know, help and accommodate people. And yet here, when it comes to you're taking affirmative steps to play something for very long hours over someone's most sensitive body parts, whether it's a customer whether it's a worker in school in a store in government and it's like no questions asked shut up mask up and done like there's no i mean even things that are amazing in life that really do work and are really necessary we always have some sort of balance some sort of um regulation in place so my question is, how have we come to a point where we have kids that are traumatizing two-year-olds being kicked off of planes, anyone who's disabled being kicked off of planes, people emailing me losing their jobs after 17, 20 years for the most absurd things, whatever happened to anti-discrimination laws and ADA and OSHA, why aren't we seeing these lawsuits? Well, we are seeing the lawsuits, and to be very honest with you, the Department of Justice has come out and stated that ADA laws do apply to COVID-19. So these businesses that do not make what's called reasonable accommodation, that is a term that is under the ADA law. If they do not offer uh, reasonable accommodation to their customers, even their employees, they can be sued and held liable for ADA. Now, what you're, what you're saying is correct because there is no accommodation. Nobody is making accommodation. And this speaks to the bigger issue behind the scenes. It's because this is an agenda of control. They are manipulating our emotions. They are manipulating our behaviors through manipulating our emotions. And this is not new. We've seen this in history. When was the last time we had a catastrophic uh, human disaster? Uh, right? We're calling this a pandemic. It's not. It's a pandemic for sure. It's a scamdemic. But when was the last time you saw an entire population, society, cave to, to an agenda of fear because the government told you this is for your health and safety? This is Hitler all over again. This is exactly what they're doing. And so they're scaring everybody. And what's happening in states like mine, I live in Michigan with, obviously, uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, who is, in my opinion, the worst governor in America. She is an absolute tyrant. And she is bullying and she is intimidating businesses, even health systems, hospital systems. They are being told you will lose your license. Doctors are being told you will lose your license if you allow an exemption, if you make an exemption. Even for people who they know medically have medical documented disabilities. So now these doctors are violating their own Hippocratic oath. They're violating the law. And it is shocking to me that they're going along with it. I'm actually working to help one doctor out in Oregon who lost his medical license because he did not enforce mask mandates on his patients who have disabilities. The state of Oregon came after him and revoked his medical license, and he did nothing wrong. In fact, what he did was absolutely right, according to his Hippocratic Oath. He was protecting his patient's health. One, you know, one of the first rules of medicine is do no further harm. And so if you have a patient that you know has a medical disability that cannot tolerate, medically tolerate a face covering, and there are a lot of reasons that we can go over those. There are a lot of reasons people cannot medically cover their mouth and nose and breathe safely without really serious adverse health effects, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, whatever, right? And he, because he has sworn and taken the Hippocratic oath to protect his patients, he was doing the right thing. And the government revoked his license for being moral and ethical and doing the right thing. So what it's going to take is lawsuits. And I'm involved in quite a few of them around the country as an expert witness. 
and I, I really can't get into it because it's an ongoing case, but that's what it's going to take. And I'm encouraging people. This is why I took the role as the executive director with Stand Up Michigan, because that's what we're all about. Stand up. If we all, we could end this real fast with one word, noncompliance. If we all stand up, they cannot control us. And that's what we've been really, really effective in doing here in Michigan. We have rallied the troops. We've gotten them to stand up and fight back. And we're pushing back at every turn. Governor, in fact. But, but, but how, do you, how do you do that? I mean, a, a lot of people are – it's, it's just horrible, the emails I get. Because I see it in my own life um, where it's just – they have nowhere to turn. I mean, if it's a school, done. You're out. If it's, if it's a doctor's office, done. You're out. If, if it's even a pregnant woman – trying to give birth, they'll slap a mask on you, which which is just maniacal and satanic, demonic, how these doctors could do that. Um, that That's the path that people are trying to, to look at an EMT that was kicked out after 17 years. They basically entrapped him to, to find ways that he wasn't really wearing it um, when he was, uh, you know, either away from a patient or whatever. And, and again, I think I, I want you to speak to some of the science here because I think what a lot of people who either support it or maybe they don't, they think it's dumb, but they don't understand the harm of it because they view it more like, okay, I'm going into the supermarket for 30 minutes. I'll put on my used, uh, you know, thin cloth mask to kind of show like my thing and whatever. I'll go out. It's annoying. It's dumb, but I'll do it. I could, I could live that way. But I think those that, and I include myself in this because I avoid any situation. I have to do it as much as I can, um, except for, you know, certain things I can't avoid it. So I work, I don't, have an environment where I'm working eight, nine, 10 hours a day, but a lot of people, they don't have that luxury. So you're 10 hours a day, every day compounding on each other. Try to describe to our audience what that does to a person. Some of the psychological, um, especially for children, and then the physical long-term, short-term harms that this causes. Yeah. So let me start with kids. And then um, I obviously work in the field of occupational health and safety. So I will talk about employees and jobs and things like that in just a minute. But I want to start with kids because that's where, that's really what ticked me off. When I, when I stood up and I got involved was when last summer they started talking about masking our children to go back to school. And I, when I first heard this, I about fell off my chair. I thought, are you kidding me? Who in their right mind would force a child to cover their mouth and their nose all day long? So first of all, our young kids are being conditioned to look at everybody as scary. They're being conditioned to fear everyone. It's the children are being told comply or die. If you don't wear a mask, you're going to die or you could kill someone else. That is child abuse, psychological conditioning through psychological warfare. It is simply child abuse. No argument about it. Children at a very young age need to see their parents' faces. They need to see expressions, babies. That's how they learn. That's where they develop emotional intelligence and sensitivities. That's how we learn to read each other. So I thought it was interesting when you said in the beginning of this, um, it's demonic and it is satanic. And it is. I mean, I'm not being conspiratorial here. It is. This is a Luciferian agenda. If you research that out. 12 months ago, 12 months ago, you and I could not have conjured up. No. A worse form of child abuse. No, you're right. And, and I'll be honest with you. 12 months ago, if I had told, now I work with a lot of clients, and I have to do what's called hazard exposure, risk exposure in a workplace. And I have to determine what hazards the, the employees in this particular company may be exposed to. And then I have to determine what type of PPE they need. I need to test it, train them, fit them, everything, right? If I were to say to a client one year ago, Okay, there's a virus in town. It's cold and flu season. So everybody in this company is going to be forced and required to wear a face mask all day long. You know, I would have been fired for incompetence and probably put in jail. There is no way 12 months ago we could do what we're doing today because it is illegal according to OSHA law. It is abuse. It is considered cruel and unusual punishment in the military. I mean, I could go on and on about this. It is so crazy. The military, my heart broke when I saw those those National Guardsmen having to stand at attention. It's hard enough to do that, you know, in itself. But with that stupid black thing on their face, uh, endless. On, I mean, had it that this is what I don't understand. Like, 
How did that even get off the ground? How, you know, Tammy, how did we go from, if you remember, it was July, August. So all the schools were shut. Then you had the summer. And then there was, you know, looking towards the new semester. And there was this talk of going back, mainly private schools. And people were putting out these parody videos of what such an insane fantasy, uh, you know, dystopian world would look like if you had kids with masks in schools. And it went from a parody to not just reality, but an ironclad, impervious, immutable reality that is no exceptions and not just like high school kids, but down to preschool, no exceptions all the time, every time. You know, uh, people are sending me notes that it's, it's impossible, especially in public school, it's impossible to get suspended anymore. So if you're into drugs and gangs and you go, and especially if you're of the right ilk and, you know, one of the um, classes that the government uh, thinks is, is more equal than other people, and you go and, like, beat the heck out of people, you can't get expelled. But you're caught with your mask slipping down the nose or they don't like what your type of mask is, you're expelled. How has that happened and how is there such little resistance? Okay. So... Here's, here's the bigger picture of how this has happened and why this is happening. If you stop and think back for the, over the last few years, think about all the exposure that has come out um, over the Democrats, what they've done, liberals, right? Think about, and I'm not, just, I'm not being partisan here, but I'm, I'm talking about the things that Hillary Clinton has done. Uh, Brennan, um, <laughs> Comey, let's just get into all of the exposure. Everything that's come out, these people should be sitting in prison. And yet nothing has happened. So the, the liberal side, the Democrats have become extremely careless and reckless. They do not have any regard for the rule of law. They break the law because it doesn't apply to them. They very much um, look at themselves as above the law while they yell at everybody else that the law applies to everybody else. So there's never any consequences or punishment for breaking the law for doing some very serious, I mean, a lot of the things that have come out are, are considered treasonous. And has there been any punishment? No. We expose it all and they get away with it. Nobody's ever punished. There's no consequences. And so we've become, they have become a party of lawlessness because they're able to get away with it. And they've become so emboldened that they can just do and say whatever the heck they want and get away with it. And this was my issue with Dr. Fauci standing up there. Saying, yeah, it's probably a good idea when he was interviewed by Savannah Holding uh, or uh, Savannah, um, Guth was it Guthrie? The other day we were watching, right? And he says, yeah, it's probably a good idea to wear two or three masks. And now, just yesterday, my niece was actually denied medical care because she went into a doctor's office and she would not put on two masks. She was already wearing one and they wanted her to wear two. So within just a couple of days of Dr. Fauci making a very irresponsible statement that has no data to support it, no science will back up. So, so I just got a text from, from a, a physician's assistant friend of mine who works in a Maryland hospital said the same thing. All of his colleagues, I don't think it was mandated yet, but if they're all wearing it now, he'll get it mandated within, by the end of the week. So again, what is what does OSHA have to say, generally speaking, about things like this? And, and before you answer that, I want you to answer something else, which is because it's related. I think what confuses a lot of generally sincere people about this is that, you know, it's not like I say, I don't know, wear a cardboard box on your face or something. The mask is intuitive to them because they do see like surgeons. So they're like, OK, um, you know, doctor surgeon, medical, health. So it kind of like connects in their brain. So could you just, on the most basic sense, explain what PPE is for and what it's not, what the parameters are, what are the OSHA rules governing in the workforce, how we're violating it, and then end off and take as much time as you need. Any avenue that some of these people forced to work in schools and hospitals and elsewhere could, could pursue. Okay. So this, there's a lot to this one, and I will try to not be overly technical. Um, although I have been attacked and there have been hit pieces put out on me trying to discredit me and debunk things I say because I don't get into the technicalities. I try to keep it simple. But if I get too technical, um, I'll lose people. So, so let's just start with the basics. PPE is considered personal protective equipment. According to OSHA's own definitions, 
okay, and NIOSH, which is OSHA's sister agency. They do all the testing. They work together hand in hand. They set the rules. They um, clarify and, and determine definitions, um, exposure limits, and things like that. So people in my career field work with those definitions. We do the math, and we do the tabulations and the calculations to determine what the exposure, what can they be exposed to, and for how long. So when you have somebody like a doctor, let's talk about the doctors and nurses. When you have somebody like a doctor or a nurse working in a surgical center or a hospital setting, they are wearing PPE to protect the patient because if they have an open body cavern and they're doing surgery, right, and that doctor were to cough or sneeze, well, he could sneeze or cough or a nurse or a surgical assistant into that person bacterial infection. So they wear the surgical mask, not to protect themselves, but to protect the other person. It is still called PPE. They wear splash guards and the, the clear plastic hoods and things like that and, and uh, goggles or safety glasses. They wear those types of things and that type of PPE to protect themselves from the blood of the patient, from being infected or contaminated with a pathogen, virus, whatever. So PPE does work both ways. Now, OSHA's been getting away with not um, enforcing their own rules because they've come up with some new definitions. They're saying face masks are not PPE. Now they're calling it community prevention. And they're coming up with all these other new terms. So that way we don't have to enforce the PPE rules because there are rules with PPE. You cannot legally, according to OSHA law, take an employee and put them in any PPE, period. Unless, first of all, you have to make sure that that PPE is rated to protect against the hazard, the known hazard exposure. So um, are we testing all the homemade cloth face masks? Do we know that they're rated to protect against the known hazard, the virus? Nope. Therefore, it is illegal to put people in face masks that are supposed to act as PPE. Because we haven't, first of all, made sure that that PPE is rated. It's not rated to protect against a virus. We've got RCT tests that show, in fact, that they're not. They are only rated. Cloth face masks, well, first of all, what type of cloth are we using? Right? This is homemade. People are using handkerchiefs, gaiters. They're making their own um, out of all different types of materials and fabrics. So there's no way we can possibly test this. This is a problem for OSHA. So they've determined it's not PPE. Well, I'm sorry, but you can't have your cake and eat it too. And this is where these court cases are going to come in. You can't claim that it's not PPE when you're forcing somebody to wear it to protect themselves or somebody else, because that's your own definition of PPE. So that's a problem right there. Um, But the other, let's, let's continue on though with why people are confused about the doctors and the nurses standing up there and healthcare workers telling you to wear this, right? They are working in a very carefully controlled micro environment. And people like me, people like me in my career field, they don't even necessarily even know we exist because they don't really call us until there's a problem, right? We work behind the scenes and we go into hospital settings and surgical settings and we test the atmosphere. We're testing for oxygen levels. We're testing for moisture. We're testing for humidity. We're testing for different gaseous offputs coming in out of those rooms. And we have to ensure that those particular ASHRAE standards, okay, that's, that's an engineering term. Um, OSHA requires that hospitals and surgical centers, the HVAC systems and the mechanical systems are engineered to meet the ASHRAE standards. And that, a lot of that has to do with infectious disease control. So there's terms like negative pressure, positive pressure, depending on whether we're trying to keep an infection in, isolate it, or keep it out. There's a lot of technicalities that go into the designs of these, these particular workplaces. Do you think that doctors and nurses understand ASHRAE standards or even know that they exist? No, they have no idea. All they know is people like me come in and say, okay, you're working in a TB ward or you're working in an infectious disease ward. Okay, then this is what you need to wear. You need to wear a PAPR. It's a P-A-P-R or a C-A-P-R. This is like the space hood that you see on the shows, right? When they're working around, like, like you watch the movie Outbreak, something like that. The only time healthcare workers, exactly, exactly. Yes, 
because that is the only type of PPE or respiratory protection that is rated to protect against a virus. So there even have been tests done in um, healthcare settings and in hospitals. In 2015, we had a very serious flu outbreak and the fatalities were extremely high that year because of flu. So they did a, an actual randomized controlled test among healthcare workers in hospital settings and surgical suites to find out why if hospitals, you know, doctors and nurses and healthcare workers are wearing these surgical masks all day long, why are there such high, you know, levels? You would think that they would not have the outbreaks that you would in another workplace, right? But they found, what they found was because these surgical masks are not rated to protect against a virus, they do literally nothing to stop the transmission of infectious disease, respiratory infections due to viruses, because the virons are so tiny. A surgical mask will not protect against something that is 0.06 microns in size, not even close. And so we know that these, these, uh, P these types of PPE, these types of facial coverings do literally nothing. And yet it's something that we're all being told because it contributes to this mass obedience and mass compliance. So I've had doctors and nurses get up there and say, yes, we wear, you know, we wear facial coverings all day long. We wear masks, masks up, it will save your life. And I have gotten very forceful with some of these doctors and epidemiologists and virologists, and I've told them point blank, what you guys are doing should be considered malpractice. And that usually gets their attention because they know that word. But it would be no different than me standing up there saying, well, I have a very high level of medical trainings and certifications, and I think I'm going to do your brain surgery today. Uh, that would be considered malpractice on my end because I'm not licensed to practice their, their uh, career field, just like they're not licensed and credentialed to practice mine. They know nothing about pathogen protection. Doctors and nurses heal, right? They know medicine and they heal. Pathogen protection experts protect and those are two very different worlds. Lots of different training, lots of different certifications, a lot of chemistry and calculations and things like that involved. And we all need to stay in our lane. So when they stand up there and they speak to this, it drives me absolutely crazy because they don't know what they're talking about. And it's dangerous. It creates greater hazards. When you put a mask on somebody, it doesn't take very long. And there have been studies. There was a study in Hong that came out of Hong Kong in 2020 that showed it went prolonged mask wearing, facial covering wearing. It reduces oxygen intake by up to 20%. Now think about that. This is why everybody's complaining about headache, nausea, fatigue, um, ear, that kind of mental fog. Kids come home really irritated. Kids are very tired when they come home and they're irritable. That's because of oxygen deficiency. The number one sign that the body is struggling to meet demands for oxygen is headache. And the number one complaint from so many people who call me and are having, they're struggling with migraines and things like that is headache. And so we have these studies that show this. The body can only tolerate oxygen levels of 4% one way or the other, between 19.5% oxygen and 23.5%. So if you have a 20% drop in oxygen over a several hour period, you're going to have very serious negative uh, signs and symptoms. And we now know, I've been working with, um, some of your listeners may have followed, Kristen, Megan, and I, and we have been working with um, some of the America's frontline doctors very closely with them. We've done some uh, summits with them. We're getting ready to do a frontliners PPE summit that Kristen and I are putting on. And some of them are going to be joining us in support. But one of the frontline doctors is a pediatrician and he's an emergency room physician. And he did a uh, summit with us uh, down in Miami a couple months ago. And he was talking to a group of parents, teachers, school board members, um, and he was explaining how oxygen deprivation is permanent. The damage from oxygen deprivation is permanent damage in children's brains. And you don't get to, to undo that. And our brains are very, very, our bodies are very, very sensitive to oxygen saturation. And we have to be so careful because doctors and nurses are being very irresponsible. And this is why I've started calling them out for malpractice for speaking on something that they are not credentialed and trained on. So what most people don't understand, 
even they don't understand is that the, the environment that they work in is so carefully micro-controlled micro that there are increased oxygen levels. There are decreased temperature and humidity levels. And there's a reason for that. So they can work longer with a surgical mask on than a, a factory worker could in an 85-degree plant. And in addition... In other words, so they have the... Just, just to sum it up for the audience, they have the panacea to the problem that the masks create. And then also they have the impetus to wear the rationale, I mean, to wear the mask because, like you explained, they're not wearing it for a virus and virons. They're wearing it for really splashes, blood, I guess, you know, HIV. With the advent of HIV, it really started the trend of that. It's for tangible, visible things, not microbiology, certainly not that micro, which is much smaller than bacteria. So whereas you take it out to the um, non-clinical, non-healthcare setting, and you don't have the rationale to do it because it's, it's, it's a waste of time, and you don't have the protection from the damage it creates. Could I just, let, let me just, is this too simplistic? But is it, isn't it basically an inverse relationship like this? If you are starting to be efficacious against a virus, by definition, that means it's a type of PPE that you're cutting off your supply. You're, you're basically cutting yourself off, um, and it's very serious if you don't have it done properly in the proper uh, device and the proper environment. Um, so you you don't you you know you have proper oxygenation. Or conversely, if you're not feeling that, if you're like, hey, I feel as happy as a lark. I'm not having a problem because I have like this paper thin you know cloth I created or something. Well, then, okay, but then it's a waste of, then, then what are you talking about? Is that basically how it works? Well, so that's exactly how it works. And this is why when you put somebody in PPE, the law requires that not only is that PPE tested and rated, it has to be NIOSH certified and rated to protect against the particular hazard or pathogen. But you also have to train the employee. You have to do a fit test on the employee. Because if there's any breakthrough at all with something like TB, right, or an infectious disease, a serious infectious disease, all it takes is a very small amount of exposure. So we have to do fit tests to make sure that they have the proper fit size respirator. We also have to do training with that employee. They have to be trained on every, if you sneeze, if a doctor sneezes, guess what? They got to change out their mask. If they touch their mask, they have to change it out. They have to carefully don and doff it by the ear loops. And in addition, there are work rest cycles that OSHA requires. Now, do you think average Joe working in the factory or working in a 90-degree construction project is following those rules? Not at all. And so it's incredibly dangerous. Well, let me take that a step further, Tammy. Could you explain, let's go back to, and I know we're jumping around a little bit here, it's hard to fit in one show, running out of time here, but let's go back to children, children in school. So here's the thing with that. Um, it doesn't take a genius to realize, I mean, I hate to sound disgusting, but look, uh, until a pretty high age, and certainly in preschool and, and elementary, they're picking their nose and wiping it off on the desk. I mean, and and all, and that's just that's just for starters, okay? I mean, look, I got four kids under ten, and and that's what they do. So so it, it doesn't take a genius to realize that if you're having them in a mask all day, and the better ones will wash it every day or wear a new one, but the majority won't. Could you explain? What we're starting to see with other path so the pathogen it's designed to protect, it's not, but what other problems is it creating? Yes, it's creating a host of problems. And uh, Kristen, Megan, and I and some of our colleagues, we were saying this last year, oh my gosh, we are going to start seeing some very serious issues because of the improper wearing of PPE. And what we're doing is we're creating an environment, a moist, bacterial-ridden environment in which children are breathing all day long. Listen, kids are gross. I'm a mom. I mean, I, they, they're snotty and mucousy and, you know, it's all over their masks. And, and then they trade masks with each other. Your mask is cuter than mine. And they come home with each other's masks and they use them like slingshots. I mean, this is ridiculous. They take them off on the playground. I mean, these kids are, are dirty. That's how kids are supposed to be. They're supposed to be um, exposed to pathogens in the environment. That's how we build up a strong immune system. But 
what we're doing is we're creating a very dangerous, moist, bacterial-ridden environment in which our children are breathing and rebreathing. Their uh, gaseous exchange, those gaseous, um, toxic gaseous gases that are supposed to be exhaled, they're being trapped and they're rebreathing them. They're causing their viral load to go very high. We're starting to see serious levels of bacterial pneumonia. We're starting to see very serious cases of perioral dermatitis, which is what some people, um, you know, make fun of, mask me, right? It's very serious. All of these things. And, and then that's not even getting into the oxygen deprivation, uh, deprivation and the brain damage that we can't see happening, but it's happening. And we're going to cause a generation down the road. It's not going to be very long. And we're going to see these kids young, very young, develop neurological disorders because of it. And so this is, this is abuse and it is egregious on uh, every level. I can't communicate that strongly enough. There's a reason that there are But laws. again, how has there not been a single lawsuit? I have not seen a school district because lawsuit. Because parents are not standing up in mass. And until they get together and they demand as a group in mass, until we reach critical mass, this is not going to change. A lawsuit here or there might do something. The airlines need to be sued. They're not making reasonable accommodations. The schools are putting our children at great risk. They need to be sued. These parents need to get together. If the entire community would get together and demand, well, we'd start seeing things change. And that's the whole point of standing up together because there's strength and unity, strength in numbers. And what does the Declaration of Independence tell us to do? When our governing authority, when our government becomes tyrannical, it tells us it is our civic responsibility to abolish that government and take those powers back. But until we get to the point where people are willing to revolt, it's not going to change. But here, here's my concern. So, so a couple things before that. Um, as you're talking, I recall writing about this a couple months ago in Shepherd, Michigan, in Central Michigan, uh, your home state. There actually was an interesting outbreak in strep of strep throat that they were kind of admitting it had to do with quote, not washing masks enough could be helping to spread the bacteria and then putting masks on different surfaces could spread it too. What's funny is forget about the kids, Tammy. I see at Senate hearings and Fauci and Red Redfield himself, they would grab their mask that they just put on and were going to put back on on their way out of the hearing and they put it on the table. Oh, trust me. I sit there and I just, oh my gosh, I just shake my head because Dr. Redfield himself, while he originally said, Oh, we don't need to wear masks. Do healthy people need to wear masks? He had one very clear answer. No. Okay, fast forward a few months, and he's holding this mask in his hands, and he's, he's touching it inside and outside, and he's, it's called fomite transmission. He's transmitting all the bacteria and pathogens that he just touched on the table or his computer or whatever, his phone, directly depositing them into the interior of his mask as he's holding the mask up saying, this is the only thing that will protect you. I'm sitting there watching this absolutely incredulous. Like these are the leading doctors who are telling us how to stay healthy. Oh my gosh, these people need to be fired. And this all needs to be exposed because this is the biggest scam. I mean, and the biggest hoax purported on humankind. It really is. It's the most severe hoax, the most officious, invasive, um, sensitive, to, to just get in a, I cannot think of a way a government could subjugate a human being in in, in, a, in a more draconian way. And somehow it is, it's God's judgment. I don't know how to answer how this has been so successful. Um, but I fear, I, I want to get your thought on this final point. We'll have to wrap it up. And, you know, with schooling, I fear we're at a very critical crossroads with the schools where it's mainly been private schools that have been open. And, to me, the fact that the public schools have been closed is somewhat of a blessing in disguise if we can make it work. Because my concern is this, that parents are so concerned and, and, and Republicans have pushed this. And now Democrats, now that Trump is out, they're able to echo it as well. You know, open schools at all costs. Schools need to be open. And that they're forgetting to particularize their mantra that, whoa, what does it mean to open schools? Like, I want schools open, but if you open them with a dystopian setting of child abuse, that might even be worse than keeping them closed. So my, what do you think is the leverage point that we could, 
you know, start. Obviously, you Republicans control the legislature in Michigan. Legislative action. We need lawsuits. What could parents do in schools? Yes. So this actually goes all the way back. It's a union issue. This has to do with the unions. And uh, this is a much bigger issue than masks and health and safety. So my concern is for like the inner city kids where they rely on schools to give them a healthy place to be, a safe place to be, lunches and meals. Some of them are in bad homes. So being in school is much safer for them. And they get their meals from school. That's my biggest concern for these inner city kids. The the kids, you know, for let's just take my family, for example. I pulled my son and we homeschooled him this year. But I have the ability to do that. I think, you know, and I have been telling parents all over this country, look, we have an opportunity right now to take back our educational system. Let's step back and let's see this from a bigger picture. Because I'm a big picture thinker. And when I look at this, I think, yeah, there's a serious problem with our schools. But you know what? The NEA's agenda has been very successful over the last generation. We have a whole lost generation that is terrified. The millennials are the worst. They're terrified. They believe everything that they've been told. The NEA has been very successful with indoctrinating these kids. They don't know history. They know nothing. They think our founding fathers were racist for crying out loud. And, you know, they know nothing. And so I think we have an opportunity. If we look at it from a big picture, it's just painful because we're the ones going through it. We're the parents right now that are going to be the change agents. And that's painful because change is never easy, right? But parents can do what my family did for the most part, not everybody. And I understand that. And this is where I've been encouraging people in Michigan. And we've seen this get together and form groups, form homeschool groups, pull your kids, say, not my kid. That's what I said. Not my kid. I know too much. I love him too much. I'm not going to allow him to be abused in that way. So I'm going to take responsibility for his education as difficult and as challenging as that has been. Right. But parents can band together. They can start homeschool groups. And I think when you look at it, I see the hand of God giving us an opportunity to take back our education system. Okay, fine. The schools don't want to be open. Let's kick the NEA out. Let's start our own. You're talking about my surgery that I've been talking about the last two days. God is forcing us to do surgery. We're trying to save something that, forget about the masks, it was unsalvageable anyway. And you know what? We need to self-separate. And and you talk about a teacher's union, and I always say we could form our own union. A union means power numbers, as you noted. And if we have just a bunch of people in a given school district, either we're not putting up with the mess or we're we're leaving, we'll, f- we'll form pods. I mean, look, you know, I had the same issue. It wasn't, uh, I didn't, didn't go to p- uh, public school. They went to private school. But as you all know, there's no such thing as a private school anymore. They're all stewards for the state. And we've learned that in many different ways, not just with the COVID stuff, but with education. They get the money and it's all sorts of issues. So I pulled them out. It's not easy. I spend a lot of time, um, even though I work and, you know, it's, it's, it's not fun having them at home that often, but I couldn't look at my own child at a face created in the image of God being covered in that way. I couldn't do that to them. I just couldn't do that. That just I looked at my wife and I said, I don't know what we're going to do, but that is not an option. And I'm floored that other people haven't taken that route. Um, but, you know, I, I, uh, well, yeah. A, a lot of people have. I, a lot of people. Uh, there has been a mass exodus from the public schools this year, not just because they're closed but people who have pulled their kids, people who have said, not my kid. And I talk with these parents all over the country and, and the homeschooling numbers have gone through the roof this year. People just separating their kids from these systems. And I think it's great. I look at that and I'm very excited because I think this is a time of great opportunity. They, they talk about the great reset. Yeah, let's talk about the great reset. Let's not let them get away with that. We are the great reset. We have an opportunity to reset things and to write things for our kids for these future generations. And is it hard? You betcha. I'm a working mom too. You know, and, but like I said, but we're the parents on the forefront. We're the freedom fighters. Remember, we're always only one generation away from losing our freedoms. So if we don't do something radical right now, and we aren't willing to sacrifice to make it happen, our kids won't have the same future that we had, or they won't have the same opportunities that we had growing up. So it's going to take those of us on the forefront of this to get radical and to be willing to sacrifice. I mean, I told my kids, listen, we may not be doing Disney this year. We may not be doing the big vacations because 
we're sacrificing of our work, our income, our time, and this is more important, and we're doing it for you. And so we've involved the kids. Well, Tammy, I'm going to invite you out. I'm going to invite you out to Front Sight, Nevada, where we have constitutional defense training, shooting. That's it's a, It doubles up as a vacation, and it's a sanctuary from COVID fascism. So uh, you go to constitutioncoach.com, our sponsor today, and you'll see the dates there available. Hope to see you there. But, Tammy, we're out of time. How could people... A, find your work, Stand Up Michigan, what you're doing, and what could people do that are having issues, whether it's in school or they got fired from a job? What, what could people do? Where could they find you or you know other people? Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to recommend two websites, StandUpMichigan.com. That's our website. What we're doing, you can contact me through there um, if you have questions or you know need help in an individual area. And then I'm going to also send people to Peggy Hall. I don't know if you know Peggy Hall, but Peggy Hall at thehealthyamerican.org. She has done so much research and put together a lot of legal uh, papers, resources, data, things like that to help people in those types of situations. And I work with Peggy. I help people to find a good attorneys in their state, uh, alternative um, employment options, things like that. And, and we're going to have to get creative. I'll be honest with you. We're going to have to get creative. You're going to have to maybe find a new job. You're, we're going to have to start networking and building our communities. This, this new Patriot resurgence is, is going to be incredibly important for us to build community um, as we move forward. Mm. So those two websites right now. Yes. It is. But it's necessary. The surgery is going to be painful, but... Um... But 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 as I said, look, the whole Zoom thing and working online, it might be a blessing in disguise that will allow us more geographical um, leverage and flexibility to form these units, you know, go to red areas, make them redder because they're not red enough and have this self-sorting, the parallel society, culture, economy. Um, we have no choice. They're kicking us out of it anyway. So this is the way to do it. Um, Tammy... This was an amazing presentation. I look forward to having you back again. Um, folks, we are way out of time. God bless you. God bless y'all. We'll see you tomorrow. Same place, same time. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay informed.